jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three. Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown. If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered. Green pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive, and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte as we welcome you to a Friday edition of Orange Nation. Back from spending a few days in Bristol, Connecticut at the uh, mothership ESPN. Seth and I had a good time with a couple of our colleagues here at ESPN Radio. But we're back, and anytime we miss a show, Seth... That means we have a lot to do when we get back. And today we have a lot to is do no today. exception. The SU men's basketball schedule is out. It was released yesterday. We'll get into that. You just heard Tommy reference an injury to Frank Howard. We'll discuss that. It is Friday, so we have to get into our weekly picks heading into the weekend. Uh, but we begin with college football. And what I believe is the biggest game of the Dino Babers era to date. And I know last year... There was the Clemson upset, and the year before, there was the Virginia Tech upset. Those games were big for obvious reasons, but they were only big because Syracuse won, and they weren't, I mean, they were big going in, but you didn't expect Syracuse to win. Those were surprises. The reason I feel like this is the biggest game of the Dino Babies era so far is, number one, there's a lot riding on the line. I mean, we've talked about this on the show. Syracuse has not been 4-0 since 1991. If they win this game, they're most likely going to beat UConn. You're talking about being 4-0 for the first time since 1991. We're talking pre-Donovan McNabb. That's incredible. It is incredible when you stop to think about it. Um, The other reason that that I think it's so important is that it's not going to feel like an upset. Like Clemson felt like an upset. Virginia Tech felt like an upset. Because they were. They were. But this... This is mighty Florida State, and I know that this is not the Florida State teams that we're used to seeing. Florida State's down. They were down last year with Jimbo Fisher. Syracuse nearly knocked him off down in Tallahassee. Eric Dungy with that gutty effort on his his foot injury nearly pulled it off, but they didn't. And now Florida State comes to town after getting beaten up by Virginia Tech, after nearly losing to Samford, surviving a scare against an FCS opponent, one of the better FCS teams in the country, but still an FCS opponent. And they have a new head coach in Willie Taggart, and they're learning a new system, and they've got a new up-tempo offense, and and they're sputtering right now. And Syracuse has a chance to take advantage of that. Yeah, and and that's what we're looking at this weekend, right? That's what you're looking at tomorrow. And and to your point, the first two times, the first two years that Dino Babers has been here and pulled an upset— it was an upset. It was an upset not only because the other team was ranked, not only because the other team had the name recognition. Um, and and I say that even with Virginia Tech. I think Virginia Tech has a a place as a name recognition no team, no doubt, in, especially in the ACC, but in the country. And and then also on top of it, the point spread, right? And and like let's not count that part out, right? They were they were double digit underdogs in both of those games. Now this game is different because they're. I, I 
I want to think that they are a favorite on the field, right? Like, just on the field, watching the first two games, Syracuse could have been favored in this game, certainly by the point spread. They're not. It's a three-point spread, right? It's a three, three-and-a-half, depending on where you look, point spread in this game in favor of Florida State. There's certainly the name recognition value in having Florida State come to the Dome, and in that point and in that perception, Syracuse is the underdog, but this doesn't feel like the same thing. This doesn't feel like the same thing as Virginia Tech or Clemson coming in, maybe because Florida State's coming off a a bad year, maybe because they're coming off a coaching change, and definitely because they're coming off two bad games to start the season. So when you look at it that way, I think it says a lot about this program and and the point that they are at that even though Florida State is on a bad year, a downturn, and, and we can all readily admit that, that Florida State com- is coming into the Dome and it doesn't feel like it would be an upset if Syracuse would win. I think that alone says a lot about where this program has gotten and, and again, acknowledging that Florida State is on a downturn. Because Florida State could have been on this downturn three or four years ago. Syracuse would not be taking advantage of it. Now they're in position to. So you buy what I'm saying? Biggest Absolutely. game in the Dino Babers era? I think so, yeah. I mean, what what are the other ones that even come close? And and, and that's what I'm struggling to figure out here. Because you, you mentioned that off the top of the show. And you hadn't mentioned that to me prior to the show. And so I'm like, huh. What other game even comes Because close? I think most people immediately go back to Clemson and say, well, that was the biggest game right. in the Dino Babers era. Or the year before and say, well, Virginia Tech. But again, they weren't the biggest games going into it. Like, there was no, no expectation. Like there was no expectation that they were going to beat Clemson. There was no expectation that they were going to beat Virginia Tech. And if they're going to continue this trend of, of pulling off a marquee win every year, this is really the only one that falls under that category of a yes. marquee win at home. I mean, obviously, they've got Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium. They've got Clemson on the road. I think you and I agree they're not beating Clemson. Uh, Notre Dame is going to be a tall order. But again, those are away from the dome. The last two years, they've they've gotten one of the big boys at home. And if they're going to continue that trend, this is the only one that falls under that category. Now, I do just want to bring this up as I'm, I'm scanning the schedule. But I saw this stat earlier, and I was going to wait to pull this out until later when we were making picks. But I'll I'll tweet uh, I'll mention this tweet now uh, from Chris Felica the Bear on uh, College Game Day. Tweeting out earlier, Syracuse has pulled a home upset in ACC play each of the last three years. The uh, the 2016 and 2017 wins are the only games Syracuse has covered as a home underdog under Dino Babers. They're 2-6 and six against the spread at home. The two games are the wins against Virginia Tech and Florida State. Uh, since the start of last season, Florida State is 0-8-1 against the spread in ACC play. So... You look at how those kinds of trends stack up, and I, I found that first one really interesting. Syracuse doesn't do well against the spread. Syracuse, right, when when they lose, they get blown out when they're the underdog. But when they cover, they win the game. And and I found that kind of note really interesting. Can you read was, that stat again? Uh, the 2016-2017 wins are the only games Syracuse has covered as home dogs under Dino Babers, 2-6. and six. Interesting. I mean, they... Last year, they lost to Pittsburgh by a field goal. Were they favored in that game? I, I guess. Or it was less than three? That, yeah. That kind of surprises me. Interesting. Well, they were coming off you know, close losses to LSU and NC State. Maybe they were favored. Maybe they were. I don't recall. I know we said it was a toss-up game going in. Right. But in any event, I, I hear what you're saying. A lot of the games have been lopsided. Yes. Um, especially late in the year, as we know. No uh, no wins in the month of November for Dino Babers, 0-8 uh, in the month of November. So I am looking at the schedule now, and, and to get back to your original question, 
is this the biggest game of the Dino Babers era? I, I don't even know what else is close. Because you mentioned Virginia Tech, but they were 2-4 and four going into that game and didn't feel like they were going much of anywhere. You look later in the year, there's nothing there, right? They got they got beaten up by Florida State at home. They went down to Clemson and got smoked. They had that weird game at Pittsburgh. And then you look at last year, like, was at LSU a big game well, when you were 2-1? So you could... Again, just to play devil's advocate here, because I'm the one who said this is the biggest game of the Dino Babers era, but you could point to LSU and you could say, well, Dino Babers, went, from the moment he arrived, said, you know, year two, week four through right. six, and year two, week four was at LSU, and it's a marquee opponent in Death Valley, and he said that's where it's going to start to click. And they played awfully well. So they going did. into that game, there was an expectation. I don't think there was an expectation they were going to win. I think there was a, huh, let's see what happens tonight. I think there is a, I don't know, again, I don't know if tomorrow there is an expectation they will win. I think there is an expectation this game will be competitive. And I think there is an expectation that the team that plays better will win. And right. we have not been able to say that when Syracuse plays Florida State. And even last year, Syracuse played better than Florida State, but did not win. Right. And to your point, you said earlier, if Florida State was down three, four years ago, there's no chance Syracuse would have won. They wouldn't have been able to take advantage. No, that I mean, is different now. Whoever plays better tomorrow wins the game. And for the first time in this series, since they've been in the ACC together, that will be the case. The right. better team tomorrow will win. You know, I know they weren't down, quote-unquote, to this extent, but if you remember, when they came into the Dome in 2014, the first time they came up here, that was like a weird year for them. Remember? I mean, they just won the championship. Jameis Winston was back. He was coming off that Heisman trophy year and and that was kind of like a weird disjointed year for florida state yet they came in here and won 38 to 20 right and and like just beat up on. and syracuse. do you remember the feeling that day was wow syracuse wow, scored can't... 20 right. points like it was <laughs> right. there was an excitement exactly. that they because you know the year before is 59 to 3 and it was you know wow they scored some points right. and 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 now it's no longer moral victories right no. it's like there is no moral victory tomorrow tomorrow Nobody's going to feel good. I mean, there were there were some fans last year, and I you know I think we all looked at that three point game in Tallahassee. And we're like, wow, you know, like this team is getting better. And there was there was again not a not a great feeling. It wasn't like you won, but I think some of the players, you know, the fans. I think there was a there was a positive feeling coming out of that game. That's not going to be the case tomorrow. If they lose this game tomorrow, it's going to be devastation because they feel like they can win, and there is a sense. And and maybe we're making too much of it, but I don't think we are. There is a sense that if they win this game tomorrow, it's going to feel like that corner has been turned. That you can now compete with the best in the conference. You beat Clemson last year. If Florida State comes to town and you just are the better team on the field, right. there is going to be a sense, not that you're going to be competing for you know conference championships, no, but there will be a sense that the corner has been turned and that you know the days of 4-8 and eight should be left in the past. Well, and that's why I think this is the bigger game, because even after that game against Clemson last year, I know we came in on that Monday and, and things were crazy, and there was the concern over Dino Babers potentially leaving, and there was the concern over you know how good this team would be, and and the 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 imaginations were running wild after that game, but then it, you know quickly got shot down, right? And they they lost all four games that they had left. I think that now is that time when you look and you say, "Hey, this could be that corner. This could be that change. This could be that spark." 
where, yeah, they beat Clemson last year. That was a great win. That was a big win. That was a a potential program changer. But to be able to beat Florida State, get to 3-0, and and then have that game next next week to get to 4-0, and um, that would be the big one, right? That that uh, this weekend feels like the potential for the big win and and the you know quote unquote program changer that people probably hoped would have been Clemson last year. We've been dying for a big game on this campus, and and by a big game, not like a big opponent coming to town, right? I mean, three and zero with LSU coming to town wasn't a big deal in twenty fifteen. Zach Mahoney at it quarterback. Was, Again, it was it was different. There was no expectation that they could win that game, right? I mean, LSU yeah. was in the top ten. Like there was no expectation they could Their win that game. Got not, the Syracuse quarterback got knocked out the week before, and then they you know they finished four and eight. And again, even last year, like there's there was no expectation that they were going to beat Clemson. There was excitement that Clemson was coming to town. You look at the attendance figures in recent years for you know when Florida State comes to town, Clemson comes to town, Penn State, Notre Dame, whatever the case may be. A lot of people go to those games, but the reason, by and large, a lot of people go to those games is to see the opponent. And that is not going to be the case tomorrow. I think we'll get a relatively good crowd. I know it's still going to be nice outside, and I know that there's some people who still haven't bought back into SU football. There's going to be a good crowd there, and the crowd is going to be there not to see the opponent, to see what they think might be a Syracuse win. Like, they are going with the expectation Syracuse might win this game. And to me, that's different. Like, it has been a long time since a marquee opponent, and again, I know they're down, but a brand-name team has come to town, and the expectation is Syracuse can win this game. Or maybe even Syracuse should win this game. Can I bring up a tangential point here that, that again, I bring up that that 2015 season, they're 3-0, they're they're playing LSU in the Dome. That was the first time they were 3-0 since the early 90s, correct? And And... Uh, I remember sitting in a press conference after the Central Michigan game. That was the game that they jumped out to a huge lead. Eric Dungey got knocked out and just absolutely knocked out cold. They end up going to overtime, pulling out the win. But it gets them to 3-0. And I remember this feeling from Scott Schaefer saying, who cares how we did it, essentially, right? Who cares how we did it? We got to 3-0, damn it. Like, we're here. And... Defiant. I, right. Like yes. defiantly, like we're at three no. Just be happy that we're here. Don't worry about our potentially concussed quarterback. Don't worry about the fact that Central Michigan took us to overtime on our home turf. We're at three no. And I I keep going back to that moment and thinking that if they were to win tomorrow, how much better would you feel about that three and than than that one three, four years ago. How much better would you feel about this one than that one? And, and just looking at the circumstances, yeah, they played Rhode Island and they smoked them, and, and they did get a conference win in, in, in Wake Forest, but I, I think you would just feel so much better after just annihilating Wagner, which is what you're supposed to do, and then really, you know, for the majority of the game handling Wake Forest, uh, Western, Western Michigan, Michigan and, and, you know, for the majority of that game, you really manhandled them. So, like, I, I feel like you feel so much better about that one, that this one, than you would about the last time you were 3-0, the last time you were in this position. And I think you look ahead to your schedule and you say, all right, UConn can beat them. Uh, North Carolina is down. Louisville is down. You know, Boston College and Wake Forest played last night. BC looks pretty good, but it's still Boston College and Wake Forest. I mean, we're right. not talking Clemson and Florida State here. So there are a lot of winnable games. You know, Pittsburgh is certainly a winnable game. Um, a lot of winnable games the rest of the way. So, yes, I think you would feel very good uh, about your 3-0. and uh, let's get to a Facebook comment here, Steve, from John Waldron. He says, let's slow the roll. We were going to be 3-0 and by default. 
Uh, let's see what happens after the first real game Saturday. I, I get that. 2-0 and by default. Well, 2-0 and plus the, the UConn game. I, I see. Th- I think he's adding that in. Okay. I understand the sentiment there, and I agree. And you, you were hoping and you were thinking like you had to win these three games and you had to get it. And if you didn't, you weren't going to be going anywhere. You weren't going to be on your way to what you had hoped you would be on your way to. But I still think that we could talk about this week as a big deal. Right, like I, I don't think I don't think it's unfair to now say, hey, yeah, sure, you you just took care of business and did what you were supposed to do and like looked good doing it, whatever. But like now you've got to go handle this game because the more this season has played out, the more realistic this game looks like it is to win. Syracuse is improving, and Florida State has not figured it out yet with right. this new head coach. If you're a Syracuse fan, I think you're glad this game is week three and not week nine, right? Because Florida State's got the new head coach. They're going up-tempo this year. It's different. And we saw with Dino Babers, like, to go up-tempo, it's it's different. It takes some time for everyone to get used to it. And if you don't pick up first downs, your defense is on the field for a long time. That's what's happened the last two weeks right. for Florida State is they sputter at times. The offensive line is not very good. The defense is on the field. And both Virginia Tech and Samford took advantage of the defense being on the field. Well, and isn't this exactly what we said when the schedule came out? Right? Like, exactly what we said when the schedule was was released last spring. We said, man, good thing that game yeah, is early. get them early. Because you just don't know. And, and we saw these same growing pains. What the, the offensive system that Willie Taggart runs and wants to run is very similar, very similar to the offensive system that Dino Babers runs and wants to run. So we kind of understand the growing pains. We saw this two years ago, and it's not all that surprising that the offense is struggling early. 315-437-7644. we got to take our first time out. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Friday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by the Bill Rapp Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at Bill Rapp. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to get involved. Syracuse, Florida State, noon kick tomorrow inside the Carrier Dome. Nationally televised game. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Seth. 9 o'clock at Shaughnessy's. Come hang. That's right. I'll be up on the quad. Myself, Julian Wiggum, uh, from 11 to 12, leading up into kickoff. Uh, and we've been talking all week about how Syracuse has a, a legitimate shot at winning this game. There is something that concerns me about this matchup for Syracuse. And this is what it is. So many of these, you know, these toss-up games, and, and this game falls under that category. That's one of the surprising things, first and foremost, is that this is this is a toss-up game. It, the spread is what two and a half, three points, right? Uh, depending on where you look. I, I just saw two and a half not that long ago when you brought it up. I looked. Um, it's you know, it's a round of field goal. This is a toss-up game, and so many times toss-up games they come down to which team can exploit the other team's weakness. Or weaknesses. In SU's case, what would you consider its biggest weakness? I, my thinking is that the, the big biggest play? the biggest yes, the biggest weakness is the defense gives up a lot of big plays. Can Florida State exploit that? DeAndre Francois, Cam Akers. Cam Akers ran for 199 yards last year against Syracuse. Had a 63-yard touchdown and a 54-yard touchdown. Can Cam Akers and all those athletes and DeAndre Francois capitalize on SU's biggest weakness? Yeah. Yes. Prob- probably. I would yes. think so. Yes, I would think so as well. What's Florida State's biggest weakness? I and mean, we had Allison Posey on the show earlier in the week, sports director from the ABC in Tallahassee. She said the biggest weakness of this team is the offensive line. Can SU's front four take advantage of Florida State's I don't know. offensive line? 
You're playing it as perfectly, Seth, because that that's that's the answer. I don't know either. I mean, Syracuse had one sack against Western Michigan. Syracuse had two sacks against Wagner. Now, they did a better job getting pressure on the quarterback last week, and they forced some turnovers because of you know forcing quick throws, and they had three interceptions, and so I get that. But coming into the year, so much was made of the front four and how the defensive line, and the offensive line for that matter, but the defensive line has gotten better, and the defensive line might be the strength of this defense. Well, I don't think so so if, far. If that's the case, tomorrow is an opportunity to show that against an offensive line that has not gelled yet, against an offensive line that's given up six sacks among the worst in the country in that category to Virginia Tech and Samford, had trouble moving the ball against Samford. They had trouble running the ball against an FCS school last week. So, yeah, you're, th- that's the, you, you handled that perfectly. and We didn't oh, even good. talk about this I'm before glad. the show. SU's biggest weakness, give up the big play. Florida State absolutely can capitalize on that. SU's biggest weakness, Florida State's State's biggest weakness weakness. is the offensive line. Can Syracuse capitalize that? I don't know. If you go one step further, say what's the next biggest weakness? For Florida State, it's probably the secondary play. I mean, they gave up 475 passing yards. That Syracuse can take advantage of. Well, I I was going to say this. I feel fairly confident they can take advantage of that. They, They can move the ball with Eric Dungy and with the backs and with Jamal Custis. One of the other big weaknesses for Syracuse, though, has been the depth at wide receiver. Now, they did better last week, but that was Wagner. We saw what happened against Western Michigan. One receiver caught a pass. Right. So... Do they have four or five guys? They do. I mean, we saw them last week. Can those four or five guys step up and take advantage of Florida State secondary? And again, I'm not sure the answer to that either. We'll see tomorrow inside the Carry Dome. I like to think they can. Eric right. Dungy, I think, can take advantage of it. He yes. finds ways to make plays. But, you know, can they throw for 475 yards? Like They should be able to. All right. They should, right? I, I mean, I, that, I don't know. Is that really going out on a limb? Like, yes, Eric Dungy they should, should throw for 475 Eric, yards. Yes, Samford did last week. Like, yes, Eric Dungy should throw for 500 yards against Florida State. Like, if if Samford did, why can't he? The question is, will will receivers catch enough well, passes that's my to point. get him to 500? I yards? believe in Eric Dungy. I think Eric Dungy will be fine trying to exploit Florida State's secondary. My question is, you know. Will he be able to spread it around? Or is it just going to be Jamal Custis is going to have to have a monster day? Yeah. Right. No. Fine, I'll say this. Eric Dungy will throw 500 yards of catchable passes. There you go. Let's see what happens. There you go. There's no way to measure that, so you can, we can't say you're wrong <laughs> when we come in here on Monday. But like, well, I should. think that's legitimate, though. Like, it is. He's going to put his receivers in position to make the plays. Let's see if they make the play. All right, we do need to take a timeout. When we return, we're going to bring on a Florida State beat writer for The Athletic. We'll get his thoughts on this matchup between the Seminoles and the Orange. We're back after this on ESPN Radio.